This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Father, we also just want to commit this service to you and the word to you. And we, oh Lord, may the words of my mouth, Lord, and the meditations of my heart truly be pleasing to you, Lord. Bring glory to your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Wonderful. Such a privilege to share this morning. Is, is it is this bass thing very loud? So I leave it on. Is it fine? It's just bothering me. Is it good? Okay, no problem. I'll just move over. No, I mustn't move over because we're doing the streaming thing. Great stuff. Uh, privilege to share the word this morning. Um, uh, two weeks or so ago, we had a look at uh, just what it means some dynamics around being in awe of God. Um, and I want to take that a little bit further. Um, we've been looking at a key scripture in Philippians around knowing Him. And out of that, we've, you know, I've, I've said what a central and absolutely key part of us wanting to know Him more is being in awe of Him and staying in awe of Him. So I want to just take that thought a little bit further. But let's just quickly reflect on that, on that key scripture again um, that we started off with, um, Philippians chapter 3. From uh, just, I picked out, actually, I just picked out a few specific ones. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul's given his whole CV and he says, I've counted all of that loss for the sake of Christ. And he says, for the surpassing worth. In other words, nothing else is worth more of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And he goes on, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. May I... Sh- that, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And he goes on. Uh, and I actually, let me, I'm just going to repeat one or two of these again in the Amplified. Verse 7, But whatever former things were gains to me as, though I th- as, as, as I thought then, these things, once regarded as advancements in merit, I have come to consider as loss absolutely worthless. For the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given my life. But more than that, I count everything as lost compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him. A joy unequaled. I, I like that he's, he's not holding back on the, on the adjectives here. and He's trying to paint this massive picture he's saying guys this is there's nothing greater there's no there's nothing better um he's he uses this he says the price priceless privilege supreme advantage of knowing christ he says there's nothing that equals this joy it's a joy unequaled um and that's what we were looking at and we were unpacking that a little bit i'm actually let's quickly look at that one slide we had on last time about what Jeremy Riddle said about wonder, staying in wonder. Go on. I'm just going to 
quickly run through it just to give a, a recap. If you missed that one, you're welcome to have a listen to it or, or download it online. One is at the heart of worship, They're inseparably wet. When our wonder diminishes, our worship diminishes with it. Wonder requires work. We spoke about how we can work at it, and we're going to look a bit more at it. Um, if you want to stay in wonder, you actually have to work at it, cultivate it, make space for it, feed it on a daily basis. And this is familiarity is the great robber of wonder. Stay curious and stay in wonder. So we're going to take those thoughts a bit further. And we, if you remember, we also looked at Martha and Mary briefly. And, uh, and I, just, I just want to refer back to that. You know, it's a very well-known story. Martha is busy and doing stuff and trying to sort everybody out and make sure everybody's got something to eat. And Mary is just not helping. You know, she's just sitting with Jesus. And, and we always judge Martha, but I reckon we are, would, most of us would fall into the Martha category as the default, all right? Somebody's at your house, you get to feed them, you're going to look after them, you're going to, you know, this is a very important person. So, in fact, I think Martha was, the, was doing more than normal thing, if you, if you can call it that. Because it's, it's the more, you know, I think that would be the default. And the amazing thing here is that Mary was so enthralled, she was so in awe of Christ, that she couldn't be torn away, even by guilt or maybe I should a sense of duty or I should be doing something else. She couldn't, nothing, none of that could tear her away from sitting at his feet. She was in awe and in wonder. And then Jesus said, she has chosen the most important thing to be concerned about. So just as a reminder, what we were talking about last time. And uh, yesterday we had a great time with some couples um, running through some marriage prep material. And at one point, we would, just as a side conversation, said something about the Grand Canyon. And this actually reminded me, I've, ne I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but I've been to the Drakensberg, right? And uh, I don't know if you've been to the Drakensberg. There's a specific area, there's a specific place called the Amphitheater. <coughs> and I had the privilege of um, going on a walk around the back, and then you get to the top of the Amphitheater, which is, which is, the, or, which is also the origin of the... I think it's the is it the second highest uh, second second highest um, waterfall in on the planet. I think it's quite high. It's like 800 meters drop, um, 820 or something, and uh, the Tugela Falls. And uh, so we arrived on the top there, <coughs> and it was completely overcast. We were literally in a cloud, so you could see about 20 meters. And it's just white everywhere. So it was a little bit of an anticlimax, you know, like, Kish, we're going to go up this high mountain climbing and doing all the things, and then there's just white stuff everywhere. So we, we did what everybody would do. We played some cricket on the top of the <laughs> escarpment, and nobody luckily chased any balls over the edge. But, you know, so we, we pitched our tents. We, we made ready for the night after the cricket and stuff. But, you know, we literally, we would stand um, on the edge. Yeah, if this was the cliff, we would stand here. Checking this, the cloud. It's just white everywhere. And you're like, yeah, oh, this is a pity. You know, hopefully this tomorrow morning we'll be able to see something. And we would be like this, walking around. Luckily, it wasn't windy. And then the next morning, 
And I, I won't forget this as long as I live because I remember coming out of the tent. Um, luckily, the tents weren't close to the edge, but coming out of our tents, it was a beautiful, pristine, crystal clear morning. And you could see, I don't know, like probably up into the free state. You know, it was like you could see forever. And, uh, <laughs> and we wanted to go close to the edge, and we, as we approached the edge, I'm not, I'm not lying to you guys, and I was quite active at rock climbing at that point, so I didn't have serious issue with heights or anything, but as we approached the edge, we got about this far, and you're like, no ways, and then we got on our knees, you know, and then we were like, and then at one stage on our stomachs, because it was... 800 meters sheer drop. Can you? I think our, your brain can't really compute that. And you know, you would we would be there on the edge, you know, just kind of. And I just the the splendor of that picture. In absolute awe of of God, the Creator. You know, it was such a it was such a key. It was really a significant moment for me. But with that absolute fear as well, those two go together, you know, absolute awe, but, but complete and respect and f- basically fear of, of, of this, this situation, you know. Um, and I just said, Lord, just reminded me of something, and it's, um, I just want to drop this right at the beginning this morning. When, when we couldn't see, we were, it didn't mean anything to us. And we were flippant about it. We were blase about it. There was no respect. There was no awe because we couldn't see. We were veiled. There was a cloud. There was a veil. And I feel that's one of the keys we're going to look at this morning is that if we, unless we see unless we see him, Unless we pursue seeing him more and closer and grow in our revelation, we will diminish in our awe and in our worship and our, in our fear of God. But when we see him, we cannot but stand in awe of him. Amen? When we see him, when we grow in that revelation, we see him clearer and clearer. We, that fear, that fear that is, I'm going to talk a little bit about it now. It's not a bad kind of fear. It's a good kind of fear. It's, a, it's not a dread kind of fear. It's an absolute awe and wonder and amazement, but also a fear of, I might just die now, situation, because of who he is. I want us, I want us to look at a couple of scriptures around that. And, you know, it's, it's a funny thing, this fear of God concept, because many people want to, want to kind of play it down and make it like, no, it's just more like a reverence. But if you look at many places in Scripture where people talk about the fear of God and talking about encountering God, people that have had have great relationship with Him, not, not complete unbelievers, people that have, are close with God, even John, um, when, he, when he comes face to face with God, he falls at his feet as if dead. <laughs> That's not... A, a reverence. That's like, I'm going to die right now. I'm not going to make it. And many of the prophets say the same. I'm, woe is me. 
I'm undone. In other words, I'm, I'm going to unravel right now. I think I'm not gonna, my body cannot handle the situation. I'm going to fall apart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die physically now. So that's, I, I, I disagree with this just a reverence or just a respect. I, I feel there's something more there, um, something that, that is required for us to grow in our knowledge of him and our awe of him and our, our reverence and fear of him. So it's not, a, it's not a dread, guys. The perfect love of God casts out that kind of fear. There's no, there's no dread in love. There's, no, there's not a, I want to run away kind of love. Um, it's, a, it's, it's almost like the relationship we have with fire, maybe. Maybe that can help. Fire is an amazing thing, isn't it? You know, we, it was the evening we were briefly at my mom's place and the power wasn't power was out so we had gas going on and there was fire and we could heat some stuff up that was amazing you know and there's there's in the in the winter if you have a nice um fireplace i mean that's amazing there's such beautiful such a beautiful thing even to watch and to look at if you we had a big bonfire in out in the bush and you're in nature and you you can you can watch flames for hours it's just beautiful but you're not going to get into it right it's going to kill you you know, so we, we, if, if we understand fire, we love to look at it. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's incredibly, incredibly powerful. But if you don't have the right relationship with fire, you will die. If you don't position yourself correctly in terms of the fire, you, you will die. Um, maybe that helps. Okay, let's quickly look at Nehemiah chapter, chapter 1. I uh, just want to point out one or two things. Here. Oh Lord, let your ear be near my praying. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. How does that go together? Delight and fear. And give success to your servant today. Grant him mercy inside of his man. So he's praying about his meeting with the king. But he says, this is such a key here, because it kind of describes the kind of fear. This, this is the fear that we delight in, because we know it's good for us. Because we know that we, this is a fear we can delight in, the fear of God. Fear of God, Scripture says, is the beginning of wisdom. So he says here, to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. There's no dread there. Okay, I want to just point that out. And then Isaiah 11, similarly Verse 2, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and of the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Again, that, that delight and fear together, delight in the fear of the Lord. So let's just start with that there. And we're going to look at a different kind of fear here this, as well. But this fear should be bigger in our lives than any other thing. It's been said that we worship what we fear or whom we fear. What or whom we fear, we, we tend to worship that thing. And I'm not talking worship in terms of singing songs to that thing. I'm talking worship as in a, a, aligning my life around the priority of the thing I fear the most. And um, we're going to look at one or two examples of that. But I read an article to this this week, which I, I can't remember the guy who wrote it. I apologize. I, if you want to know, come and talk to me. 
But he spoke about one fear canceling out another fear. Now, I have to go and pray and think about that a little bit more because Scripture says that the perfect love of God drives out all fear. But I understand what he's saying in terms of the thing I fear the most is going to take priority. Okay, <laughs> If I'm in a situation where there's two things and the one I fear the most, I'm going to pay attention to that thing. Okay, So in life, what are the things that we are in awe of? What are the things that we fear the most? I see my time is already running out, but let's, let's look at the situation with Israel and Goliath. Um, I'm just going to sketch the background. I'm going to read just a short bit. So David and Goliath, but at first it was not David and Goliath. At first it was Israel and Goliath, right? Because it was the nation of Israel and the Philistines. They were at war. They were facing um, you know, each other on the battleground. And instead of them having you know, a normal battle, this giant stepped out from the Philistine line. And he said, and, and immediately this is a problem because now there's this massive guy. He's huge. I don't have all the measurements today, but you've never seen something like that. There's nobody alive this size anymore. Um, he was a proper giant. And he said, listen, we're not going to have a proper battle today. I'm going to phase off to your best warrior, and we're going to sort this thing out. And they listened to him. Can you believe that? I'll just nuke him from far or something, you know, or shoot him with the arrow or, you know, this. surely they could have made a better plan. And, you know, but the problem is they then, they do the classic. Now, again, we can't judge them because we would probably do exactly the same thing. They go into fear, horizontal fear mode. That's the problem, horizontal fear. Fearing stuff around us. And they're like, oh, no, this guy is massive. He's going to obliterate anybody. Even if five guys go against him, it's not going to go well. And they go into this fear and complete, they completely paralyze. They retreat into their tents for 40 days. 40 days. I don't know about you guys. I've, I've read that thing about seven habits, and apparently it takes about 40 days to, to create a very, you know, hab, a strong habit. So this is, <laughs> by 40 days, they were in a deep pit of depression, if you ask me. And don't we find us, they were isolating, they were pulling back, they probably wouldn't even, probably weren't even talking to each other because they were all in, in shame and guilt and condemnation and just under this massive cloud of nobody can face this guy. And don't we find ourselves in that same situation? We forget the miracles that God did just, just weeks before or days before. We forget that God has done massive miracles all along in the entire history of the nation of Israel. It's just one miracle after another. One massive miracle after another. They completely they, they fall into amnesia and they just forget everything. And they just stare into this, this giant. So that is one of the things that, that steals or that, that absolutely cannibalizes, absolutely obliterates our awe of God if we fear other stuff, if we allow fear and anxiety and stuff around us to take our eyes off of how great He is. I mean, let's, let's see how David responds. First Samuel 17, 33. And Saul said to David, Now, uh, Saul is also a massive guy. I'm thinking, if Saul and some of his, 20 of his big guys took on them, they could have sorted him out. In any case, Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. So this is the king, right? The king is telling him this. 
You are not able. For you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And he, if he rose against again, if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. He goes on, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So right there, he, can you see that his focus is on the right place? May praise the Lord, he, was, he was, did not benefit of, from the 40 days before, right? That's probably why he could... God brought him in from the outside. Let's just get somebody with a fresh perspective into the situation. And he's like, what's going on? Immediately he's got a godly perspective. He's looking and he only fears one. He only fears God. And he knows from experience. And praise the Lord, David is in, the, in that moment. He remembers the miracles. He remembers the good things. He remembers what God has done. And he says, guys, I know my God. And look what he has done. And he will do the same again. The other night we were reading about Cedric Misik and Abednego with the children. And we got this action Bible. And I must say some of those illustrations are quite scary to be honest. I have to probably put a, like an age restriction on some of them. Some of the pages I skip for Emily's sake. She's only three. But... Uh, there's this vivid, you know, this great illustration of the fire, the fiery furnace. And we go through the story and like, the, kids are, the kids are in awe because they, they've, they know a little bit about fire already. They, you know, we, they, we talk about the guys that threw in Shadrach, Michigan, and they were, they were dead because of the heat. You know, we talk about Christ, you know, uh, the angel of the Lord being with them in the fire. And the, the, it was so amazing for me to see because they were in awe. And they were asking questions, and they were, we had a real moment there. And then we started talking about the miracles that God had done in our lives. And we, they remembered, and they re- said, but do you remember that time that that thing happened? Do you remember that when we prayed for that? And it was such an encouraging time because we were in awe of him. And immediately that there was worship happening, and immediately there was wonder happening. And I could see in their eyes that they were in awe of him. And, and David was in that same space. He was in awe of God. He, he, I don't even think this was a massive thing for him. He said, guys, this is, this is nothing for God. And we know the rest of the story, that how, he, how he kills him twice. You notice that? He killed, the, the Bible says he kills him, and then he cuts off his head and he killed him. So he did it properly. Right? Sometimes with the fears in our lives, you have to kill him twice, guys. Don't play around with these things. <laughs> kill him twice. I mean, all right, I have to, I'm going to hurry a little bit through the next bit. <coughs> the other thing, so beware of the horizontal fear. Cultivate the vertical one. Cultivate the fear of God, the, the one that is biblical. Um, previous time we spoke about familiarity, and I just want to quickly refer to that again. And I refer to this portion in Mark chapter 6, where Jesus was 
ministering in, in a Nazareth area where he grew up. Um, and many hearing him were astonished from us to saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which was given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Right? So they also, they on their way to being in awe. Right? Because I think this is amazing. And then familiarity hits them. Is this, but this is not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. And now this is the crazy thing. Now he could, not, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Which is not bad, I reckon, for a good day's work. But in a, in in compared to what his ministry in other areas, he could not do. The scriptures he could not do no mighty work there, and he marvelled because of their unbelief. If we allow ourselves to go into that territory of familiarity, and along with that is pride as well. I, I know this. I know this guy. He just grew up, he was at school with me, <laughs> whatever, you know, that familiarity with God, that, I don't know, almost allowing ourselves to be numbed and and not in wonder anymore, <laughs> translates into unbelief, translates into the power of God being missing from our lives. Um, he marveled because of the unbelief. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want to say that, guys, a familiarity and pride and cynicism along with that, it kills faith. And it kills the power of God in our lives. And the cynicism of, yeah, I used to pray for the sick, but and I, I don't want to be disappointed again. Have you heard that? <laughs> Sometimes I hear talk, people talking about, yo, when we were young and we were just saved and they talk about mighty exploits they did. Some of it a bit crazy, some of it a bit, bit, you know, dubious in terms of wisdom, but amazing things. And then they say, oh, those were amazing times. And I think, but why? Why, why was, it, was it past tense? Shouldn't we grow into greater things? Shouldn't we see more healing? Shouldn't we see more miracles? Shouldn't we be trusting God for greater things? But then familiarity creeps in on that that edge of I want to know him. I want to be in awe of him. I want to spend time. I want to get rid of the clouds and the veils. Everything that's clouding my view, everything that's getting in my way of knowing him, I want to get that out of the way. And he said, that we not go into this place of unbelief. terms of our expectation of God. Somebody said something this week. It really just encouraged me. He said that God is much more willing to give than we are willing to ask and expect and trust. He's ready. He's wanting to give and he's wanting to, he's so willing to bless and to give and to, for, to, to confirm his word with signs and wonders that much more than we are willing to ask and step out in faith. I'm just going to leave that with you. Maybe it's for somebody specific. 
All right, I'm going to quickly look at Second Corinthians, and we're going to close. Um, <clears throat> Second Corinthians five fifteen, and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now, normally we focus on the fact that we should be living for God. Yes, I mean, that's, that's what we should focus on. But look, he says that we should no, look, live no longer for ourselves. So basically saying, most of the people before they come to Christ are living for themselves. So that awe, there is awe of self there. I'm just amazed, or I'm not only amazed, but I'm enthralled, I'm focusing on, I'm only worshipping the, the trinity of me, myself, and I, what's important to that holy trinity of me, myself, and I, and I'm so engrossed, so enthralled, so um, overwhelmed, it, it's not always positive, but everything in my life just goes around me, myself, and I, and he says, when we come to him, we live no longer for ourselves. And I just want to briefly stand still here for a moment. And actually, at, at, at school, at the kids' school this week, we had a really good speaker come chat about discipline in the home. And I just, I just want to throw one thing out here, and we probably come back to it when we speak about parenting again uh, in the family service. But he said, you know, the, uh, one of the big evils in our society is the, the child centered home child-centered family and I don't want to spend too much time on this but what I appreciated about him saying is he said you know most of us are probably most parents here this morning will probably think yeah yeah that's hectic sure luckily we're not like that okay fair enough I have the same response okay but what's very powerful what he said is please he says keep in mind that in the society we live in that is the default setting that is the factory setting we we come out with that setting <laughs> we become parents with that setting unless we very deliberate daily work against it we're going to gravitate in that direction i mean and it's the same with being self-centered living self-centered lives a similar thing that's a de that's a default setting Unless we are deliberate in it, unless we are aware of it, and unless we are in faith daily working in the opposite direction, we're going to gravitate in that direction. Okay. So maybe that's a blessing for a parent here this morning. And we can have a conversation about the details around what that means. But um, the, the world we live in is obsessed with self and and my comfort and all the child's comfort and they can't be uncomfortable they have to be everything has to be instantly met every need instantly met there's no room for growing in a bit of of persevering or a bit of delay gratification is everything must be just now they can't be uncomfortable can't be hot can't be thirsty you know a friend of mine she remembers on these long trips and they used to say, in the car, they used to say, we're thirsty. And they would say, drink your spookies. You know? <laughs> in other words, you know, you're going to have to just deal with what you already have or just do with what you already have in your mouth for the next half an hour. So don't starve them for two days. But, but there's a, uh, I can't go into that now. But the, our comfort or our children's comfort is not at the center. If we have Christ-centered families, um, that's a godly that's a godly place to start. I mean. So, 
Um, I just want to quickly look at one or two things around this. So the place where we spend too much time on focusing on our issues, that's also part of that problem. And I quickly want to read this thing. It's Charles Spurgeon warned against um, the next one. And Charles Spurgeon warned against spending too much time looking inward. He noticed that hyper-introspection breeds morbid emotions and creates despair. And in today's language, depression. Trying to make spiritual progress through excessive introspection is like a store owner. I think this is a good analogy. Like a store owner who closes his shop because he's worried he's not selling enough. The store owner goes into the back room and spends all his time taking inventory of things he hasn't sold. Instead of pressing forward, like Paul says, leaving the stuff behind, we focus so much. And this actually came up in marriage prep yesterday as well. Um, how often do we spend so much time punishing ourselves and, and struggling to forgive ourselves that we, are, we, we, can't, we can't move on? We, we are unable to receive the grace of God. And he says, forget yourself and think only of Christ. Don't be so overwhelmed by your sin and by your sinful state and by what you've done wrong that you, that you are unable to receive the massive, abounding grace of God for you and I. We are so focused on, oh, I'm such a sinner that we, that we don't receive His grace. Guys, I'm not saying, this is what I'm not saying, I'm not saying ignore your sin and don't deal with it. I'm not saying don't repent of it. I'm not saying don't be accountable not saying don't grow and don't become more Christ-like. I'm saying don't only focus on that. If we, if we just obsess self and we continue looking inward and we continually depressed because of our condition, we're not in awe of Him anymore. We are in awe of our sinful condition. We're not in awe of our salvation. And in fact, we are trampling on it. In, in fact, often when we're in that situation, it's as if we are trying to add something to the cross by punishing ourselves. I have good news this morning. You cannot add anything to the cross. You, we cannot add anything to the blood of Jesus. His blood is sufficient. No, no amount of self-punishment you know, or what is Big neck words for this stuff, you know, you know, punishing yourself and no amount of condemnation. Nothing we can do can add anything to the cross. He's finished the work. He's paid it in full. That's another thing that steals that place of awe and wonder. Is when we just just were looking inwardly. And I've found when I'm when I'm focusing outwardly and I'm actually in awe of God, and I'm actually in awe of what He's doing in my life and what He's doing in lives around me, and I'm actually focusing more on, on, on loving Him and loving others, then my stuff gets dealt with along the way because He heals and He restores and He renews. But He says, yeah, the hyper-introspection breeds those morbid emotions and creates despair. Forget yourself and think only of Christ. This makes sense to me. You know, if I'm focusing only on my, myself, that's going to get very depressing very fast. But if I'm continually focusing on Him, the clouds are going to start clearing. I'm going to start seeing Him for who He is. I want to be more able to receive His grace. 
I'm going to be more able to become like him, to be transformed into his image. Just doing a quick lap, nothing serious. I was once in a cathedral in, uh, in Vienna, and it was, uh, yo, I, I remember it was one of those, I'm distracting myself, but I was in one of those where you can literally, you can, it's a tourist attraction, so while there's a service going on, or a mass or something, you can stand in the back, you can take photos, you can do your tourist thing, right? And that, this boggled my mind to start with. So we were in the back, and there was a, some mass or something going on. And I remember, I was already saved then. I remember coming in there, and this heavy, heavy thing. Just this atmosphere and the spirit was so heavy. This literally felt like it's pressing on my chest. I was like, yo, this is hectic. This should be a place of joy and worship, you know. And I just remember that heavy atmosphere. And then this interesting thing happened. There was a, a mom and a little child that's smaller than... Zoe, um, and she was wrestling with this one because he wouldn't sit still, and then suddenly he escaped, and he ran down. He was small, man. I probably could just walk. Ran, you know, wobbled down the aisle as fast as he could, screaming with joy and laughter. And this is as if that heaviness, as if the Lord was just saying, listen, become like this one. Become like the kids that can... Enjoy and have joy in His presence. I mean, so when we are focusing on Him, when we are clearing all the fear and the veils away, we are able to see Him. Amen. We are able to know Him. Let's stand this morning. Um, let's pray. I remember a pastor, his name is Bayless Conley. Uh, he's got a large, very influential guy in the San I think in the west side of, of America. Uh, yeah. And um, I, want, I remember one of the things, he was spoke at one of our conferences, and I remember one of the things that it really blessed me, and I also heard him speak in, in the UK, was that he was always in awe of his own salvation. It's often that he would refer, and he's been saved for many years, I think the grandfather already, he was Somehow always referring back. To, and you could see he was just amazed at God's saving grace in his life. He's been in ministry like, I don't know what, 40 years? I don't know, I don't know, long time. But he's still so amazed at the saving grace of God, at his salvation. Another pastor, friend of ours from Malawi, Pastor Sias always would recount the story that you'd see him every couple of months and he says, every time he saw this pastor friend of ours, he, he, would, he would ask Sias, tell me, tell me your testimony. And Sias would say, but pastor, you've heard it ten times. <laughs> tell me again. And then Sias would tell his testimony and the pastor would cry. He would literally be weeping with joy. And say, isn't, that, isn't that amazing? He was so in awe so of, of the miracle of salvation. It's the greatest miracle that we can encounter this side of eternity and you know there's such a thing of us running after miracles in the in the charismatic church looking for stuff and manifestations but what about the greatest miracle that of salvation 
that of coming from the pit, from the darkness into his marvelous light. I want to say that's one of the ways we stay in awe is by staying in awe and in wonder and in gratitude that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, that we have been saved, that His grace is sufficient for us, that His blood is sufficient for us. There's a few specific people I want to pray for this morning. If you feel that you've lost a lot of that awe, that wonder, I'm going to pray for you. If you if you feel you're overwhelmed by someone or something else, and that is, that is you bringing you getting you into that vert, that kind of horizontal fear situation. <clears throat> Maybe there's a massive giant in your life at the moment. It's just consuming you. Maybe it's been way more than forty days. Maybe you finding yourself in a pit of despair. You can't get out. I believe this grace for us this morning. To lift up our eyes. Grace for us to either receive your salvation for the first time or come back to the fact that we have been saved by the blood of Jesus and his blood is sufficient. Let's, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence here. Lord, we we can't fathom your love. We can't fathom your grace. We are in wonder and in awe of you, Lord. Thank you that you chose to send your son. Thank you that you gave while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies with you, Lord. You demonstrated your love for us by sending your son. As every eyes closed this morning, if you are here and you don't have a, a living relationship with Him, if you are here and you are in a pit of despair, maybe you just absolutely know that you are far from God. You don't have a, a real relationship. Maybe you've been faking it a bit. Maybe you've been around church, but you know you're far from Him. Maybe this is your first time, and, may, and maybe this this is new invitation is for you as well. That he's saying I love you so much that I've given the life of my son. He has paid the price. He's taken your sin and your shame upon himself. He's he's opened the door. He's built the bridge. He's, He's made a way so that we can have a relationship with the Father. He's through his blood we are washed clean. We are found blameless. We have a clean slate. And if that's you this morning and you want to make that choice this morning to choose to follow him, if you want to, if you are convicted that you want to receive this invitation and respond to this invitation, receive his gift of salvation, it will mean laying down your life. It will mean allowing him to take control. It will mean following him as Lord and Savior. It will mean daily taking up your cross and following Him. It will also mean an absolute assurance of eternal life, of salvation. 
if you're that if you're that person this morning, if you want to return to him or if you want to choose to follow him for the first time, as every eyes close, won't you raise your hand for a moment? I'd love to take some time to pray with you this morning. <clears throat> Is there anybody like that? Father, we thank you that you know every heart in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you know the condition of our hearts. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd gently put your finger on every place of anxiety and fear. Every place we find ourselves where we're in, in such fear of something else that we have lost our awe of you. Maybe there's some that are in that place of isolation, in the tent, a place of despair, place of such darkness that we're struggling to see you whose veils, these clouds I thank you this morning that you reach out to each one I thank you that you receive us wherever we are at Lord, through the blood of your son if that's you and I, I just want to ask you to be boldness if, if you fall into any of these categories in terms of having lost some or wonder, even if you just want to stand up and say, I want to choose to pursue a place of being in awe of Him. I want to stay in wonder. I want to be again so filled with joy of my salvation. Or if you're in that place of facing a giant and being paralyzed by fear, I want you to be very bold and just come forward now. Even if it's just a step of saying, Lord, here I am. I look to you again. so much for your boldness. If there's anybody else, please, even if you just want to say, Lord, I, I turn my heart to you again. I fear nothing and no one else. No uncircumcised Philistine, no giant that the enemy might throw at me, no way the enemy might try and intimidate me. I feel there's somebody specific that's been isolated from the body, that's been alone and maybe facing some giants but having a, I, seen, I just felt the word isolation um, if that's you I encourage you to come forward and if, if, if you want to respond to the word Anton shared earlier please also join us uh, in front <clears throat> I'm going to close the service now but if you have any other prayer need whether it's for healing or provision whatever your need is I know He has made a way for you I don't know what it is I don't know the answer but I know He does I know he knows your situation. If you need to just agree with somebody in prayer, please be bold. Come to the front. I'd love to pray with you. Uh, as, we, as we close, can I please ask for some facilitators to join us in the front? And I can I ask if you could please remember, if, if you want to get involved or if you want to get some more info, please to fill in these slips and hand them in at the, in the green in, um, connect area in the foyer. Let's pray. Father, you're so good. And we are so thankful, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We ask, Lord, that, that as we leave this place, that we will be transformed more and more like you, Lord, into the image of your Son. Ask, Lord, that your word will bear good fruit in our lives, Lord, fruit that is worthy of repentance, fruit that brings glory to your name. Deliver us, Lord, from self-focus. Deliver us from fear in the name of Jesus Christ. Deliver us from being in awe of anything else but you. In 
in Jesus' name. I thank you that you, again, give us the grace that we would cultivate that appetite for more and more and more of you, more of your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you need any prayer for anything else, please come to the front. Remember to fill in those forms. And if I can have some facilitators to pray, I'd appreciate that. God bless you. Please join us this evening and bring, bring some people along. It's going to be amazing. God bless. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.